Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio on this All Saints Sunday. Lynn gave us a, a wonderful introduction to the purpose and the, the idea behind All Saints Sunday as we come together on this particular Sunday to remember those that, that have gone before us into the church triumphant, who have, have left us in this world to be with Jesus Christ, with him in paradise. But as we come together today, there's a lot that we are going to be talking about in various ways. And I want to remind everybody about that All Saints Service of Remembrance this evening. That's a service that is specially designed to, to remember that, that grief does not end after the memorial service. It is something that we continue to work through, to, to endure, and it's also something through which we grow. And we hope that you'll come and be a part of that All Saints Service of Remembrance this evening at five o'clock. But to kind of think about some other things right now, we'll be talking more about those topics in a moment, but I wanna just ask a question and, and really just sort of bring to your attention something. You may have noticed that ever since uh, Sunday, uh, ever since our kickoff Sunday back in August, you may have noticed the prominent display of a little red symbol around the church. It's a red teardrop. There it is. It's a red teardrop with one end pointed down. And I remember that Sunday and for a couple Sundays afterwards, several people kind of pulled me aside and they said, Bob, can you explain to me what that little symbol is that, that, that's everywhere around the church? And I thought about it. It's like, oh yeah, of course, we need to explain what that is. It's called a pin drop or a pin, the symbol's called a pin. Think of it like a push pin or a thumbtack, and it's used in all kinds of maps and navigation and GPS applications on a smartphone or on a computer, something like that, and it's used to mark a location on a map. So think if you had a paper map on a wall and you wanted to mark a location, you might push a push pin into that location. And what that symbol means basically is you are here. And from kickoff Sunday a few months ago, we've wanted to say that, that here at FPC, we have been, we are gathered together as God's people. We've been using it to emphasize the importance of being here, of being gathered together as the body of Christ at 4th and Alamo. I personally think it's a very eye-catching and memorable way to remind us that the Lord has brought us together as his people in this time and in this place for his purposes. Now there are lots of reasons that one might gather together as the body of Christ. One is certainly for the sake of fellowship. One is for the sake of encouragement. But another is because when you gather together, it tends to draw a crowd. Have you ever noticed that if a crowd starts to assemble, people start to ask, hey, what's going on? What's going on over there? And whenever we can gather together on Sunday mornings and draw attention to Jesus Christ, that is a wonderful and powerful benefit for those whose attention is gained. But I want to say this, that you know the pin drop can represent more than just you are here. It can represent more than just a person's current location. It's also used by map apps and things like that to mark a destination. So you are here, and here's your destination. The, the pin can represent not only where we are, but also where we're going. So if you enter an address into your map application on your phone, it gives you another pin drop that says this is where you're going. Now, I want to say something about that, and that is this, that you know, right now it's fun 
It's great. It is awesome to be here at First Presbyterian Church. I mean, I was talking to one of our greeters this morning. He was talking about all the kids who are coming into the church and all the, all the new couples, all the visitors, all the new friends that just keep coming to our church. It's fun to be here. It's fun to be here and talk about worship and children's ministry. It's fun to talk about missions and church planting. It's, it's great even to talk about healthy finances and fellowship. And it's, it's obvious that the Holy Spirit is really putting wind into our sails right now. But that's all where we are right now. That's where we are today, November 5th of 2023. That's where we are. This is our GPS location. It's where we are. And for all that, to God alone be the glory. But here's a question I want us to think about. Where is First Presbyterian Church going in 2024? Not just what's our location, but what is our destination? Where are we going? Now, as we think about these questions and where we're going to be going, we need to think about three factors, and they're represented by that familiar acronym GPS. But we're going to interpret those letters G, P, and S in this way. Number one, how is Jesus gathering us together for our growth and his glory? The P, how is Jesus preparing us for his mission to our neighbors and the nations through both challenges and opportunities? And finally, the S, how is Jesus sending us to serve? both as a church and as families, as a congregation and as individuals, by providing the resources, the opportunities, the connections, and the capabilities for the sake of his kingdom. And so at this moment, I'd like to take a second to step aside and ask you to take a look at this video that has been prepared by our GPS stewardship committee as we think forward about 2024 and how God is gathering us for his purposes. The gathering of the church is one of the greatest gifts that God gives us. Whether it's in small groups or gathered here as a congregation, whether it is just with two people gathered one-on-one -on -one, or whether it is a large group that's gathered for purposes of worship or some other activity. But here's what we're gonna talk about today as we bring together these two themes of, of where we're going and, and also the issue of, of gathering and stewardship and All Saints Sunday. The question, really what I want you to think about the fact is the fact that when we gather as the church, that's not something that ends. The gathering of the church continues forever. And God is not just interested in showing us where we're going as a church in this day and age, but he's also showing us, interested in showing us where we are going as his people, not just now, but forever. Because the Lord wants us to look beyond where we are. And he wants us to think about where we're going. And so today we're gonna to continue our series and really conclude our series to, on 1 Corinthians by looking at chapter 15, beginning in verse 20. You can find it in your bulletin or you can find it in your pew Bibles before you. But here's what I want you to hear from the Lord as he talks about, as Paul talks about where our church is going and about the gathering of the saints. Paul writes this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who had fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ 
shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. And then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Since we began this series back in August, as we studied the book of 1 Corinthians, we've dealt with issues from sexuality to identity to unity and division. We've talked about everything from ordinary attitudes to spiritual gifts. But perhaps the most important issue, not only for the Corinthians, but also for us, that loomed over their church and hangs over our heads every day, the most important for, issue for us as for them is the issue of life and death. Now consider that for them, the issues of life and death are much more pressing. For them, following Christ was very literally an issue of life and death. Eternally speaking, Following Christ is a matter of life and death for all of us, but to them, living in the pagan and Roman world under persecution, the matter of life and death was much more immediate. For some of them, it would mean literal life and death, crucifixion, imprisonment, poverty, and martyrdom. But for others, it meant the death of the old life and the living of a new way, that might affect relationships, it might affect lifestyle or income or political power or even social status. And the question that every Corinthian Christian had to wrestle with, as we all have to wrestle with today, is this. If my life's gonna change, if my life might even be risked for the sake of the gospel, is it worth it to follow Jesus? Is it worth it to follow Jesus? And the big challenge for these new Christians in the city of Corinth was this. How can you trust Jesus with your life? How can you risk everything on him, especially when your Jewish friends think he's a fraud and your pagan friends think that you are crazy for putting your faith in a dead man? How can you risk your life to follow Christ? Paul's answer was simple. If you will remember, Paul said, we're not risking our lives to follow a dead man. Because Jesus is not dead. He is alive. How do we know that he's the Messiah? How do we know that it's not foolish to follow him? We know it because of the resurrection. He wrote this earlier in the chapter, for I delivered to you as of first importance. In other words, this is the most important thing. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried, but that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. You see, he didn't just die. He has also been raised from the dead. And if Jesus is alive, 
He's not a fraud. And you're not crazy to bet your life on him. But unfortunately, that's not the end of the argument. Because the cynic may still say, well, that's great for Jesus, that your God raised him from the dead. But what does that mean for you? I mean, what about us? I mean, maybe Jesus was raised from the dead because he died for you, but what happens if you give your life for him? How can you believe what you believe and live the way you live, risking everything on him? And Paul's answer is that, yes, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, but the resurrection of Jesus, that was only the beginning. He breaks it down very simply in these verses that we've read. He says this, what's first? Paul says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Do you understand what he means by first fruits? By calling Jesus the first fruits means that he is just the first that God will raise from the dead. He is just the first to receive this eternal life. And so then, Paul goes on to say, well then if he's the first, then who's next? What's next? And Paul writes, for as in Adam all die, that is all human beings, all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. This is God's promise, that just as all of the descendants of Adam, that is to say all human beings die like he died, so also all those who are part of the covenant family of God through Jesus Christ shall live like he lives. This is the promise of eternal life and it is the promise of resurrection. This is a promise that Jesus made. If you remember, in John chapter 11, when Jesus was at the the funeral of his friend Lazarus, Jesus comforted the family of Lazarus by saying this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And what Jesus was promising is that for those who trust in him, who bet their lives on him, two things happen. First, Jesus says, I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. This is the promise that when our physical lives end, because of Jesus' mercy, our spiritual life goes on. Just as his spirit was separated from his body for three days, so will our spirits be separated from our physical bodies for a time. And while we are separated from our bodies, while we are away from the body, Paul says we are with the Lord. But that's not the end of it. I mean, we believe that heaven is real. We believe that being with God in paradise is real. But that's not God's final plan. Because Jesus also said, I am the resurrection. 
Scripture tells us that for those who love God and have trusted in his son, Christ Jesus, with their lives, on that great day when Christ returns, we and all of creation will be fully and finally restored. And just as Jesus was raised from the dead, his body and his spirit fully restored and reunited, so shall we be raised finally and forever just like he was. Now you may think to yourself, I'm really looking forward to escaping this tired old body. But it's going to be fully restored. It's going to be better because we were meant to be body and soul. We were created body and soul and that is how ultimately we will live out eternity. But we aren't just going to come back into the same old, same old. Finally, as Paul writes, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. You see, the Lord will not only raise us from the dead. When Christ returns, he will restore all of creation. We won't come back to the same old earth we left, a world of disease and war and crime and poverty, of terrorists and victims, of celebrities and nobodies. We will come back to find that the Lord has answered our prayers back to the world where his kingdom has come and his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. As Revelation says, we will behold that the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will, listen to this, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. And neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Now, I understand that this is complex, and I realize that some of this may seem very theological and may seem very distant, but the thing I want you to hear across all of those statements is this, is that whatever this is, there's so much more, beloved. By putting our faith in Jesus Christ, there is so much more. This may be our location, but our destination is that, and that is his promise. And listen to this, Paul writes that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. On Easter morning, when Jesus walked out of the tomb, he defeated death and he broke its power over us. But when Christ returns, Paul says, in one final stroke, Jesus will destroy death once and for all. He'll not only destroy it for us, he will destroy the thing we fear most, our own death and the death of those we love. It will be finally erased. And that was an important word, especially for the people of Paul's day, for the Christians of Paul's day. Because for them, every day, following Jesus was a matter of life and death. And so that's why every day, then as now, 
the critics of Christianity are always asking, is it worth it? Is it worth it to risk all that to put your faith in Jesus? Paul's answer is yes. It's worth it because the resurrection is true. The resurrection proves that God is real and that he has the power to make a difference in our lives now and forever, not only in this world, but beyond death. It proves that there's nothing that this world can take away that God cannot give back. There's nothing in this world that it can do to you that God cannot undo. There's nothing that this world can break that God cannot restore. And there's nothing that you can sacrifice to God that he will not use and multiply. You know, there's another use for that little pin drop GPS graphic, a little symbol. In addition to telling me where I am, my location, and where I'm going, my destination, I can also use it to find other people. Do any of you all do this? Morgan and I have got it set up on our phone so that I can look on my phone and I know where she is. And she can look on, my, on her phone and she'll know where I am. People set that up with their spouses, with their kids, sometimes with their friends. But if we're separated, we know how to find each other because that little pin drop will tell us where to find one another. Now this is something that I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, we just set this up in the like, last month. Some of y'all have been doing this for years. But a lot of y'all in this room will remember that, that this is a fa fairly recent thing because when I was a kid, before GPS, before a pin drop, we had what? We had landmarks, right? And if you got separated from your family or your parents or your friends, you had to designate a rally point, right? Y'all know what a rally point is? A rally point was a designated place, an easy-to-find spot where you could meet if you got lost or y'all just needed to get back together. You know, one of the most important and memorable rally points of my life was an old decommissioned NASA rocket at the, at the South Carolina State Fairgrounds. Every one of my generation in South Carolina would remember that if you went to the State Fair and you got lost from your parents, you would go to the rocket. And here's what would happen very often. If you were at the fair, you would hear this announcement made a hundred times a night at the fair. If a child got separated from her parents, the announcer would announce, Mr. and Mrs. John Smith, please meet your daughter Sally at the rocket. <laughs> Couldn't find someone. You could have people paged to the rocket. Bill Johnson, meet your party at the rocket. And of course, the most embarrassing situation of all, Robert Fuller, meet your parents at the rocket. <laughs> That's the one you never wanted to hear. But the point was, everybody knew where the rocket was. And if you lost somebody, or if you got lost, you could meet your party at the rocket. On the night that he was betrayed, on the night before he died, because he knew that things were about to get very scary and very hard for his disciples, Jesus designated a rally point. On the night before he died, 
Jesus gave his disciples a new rally point and, they get, and he gathered them around the table. He gathered them to explain once more what was gonna happen. That he was going to be arrested and tried and tortured and ridiculed and crucified. But he didn't want to just inform them, he also wanted to encourage them, to tell them that even though his body would be broken and his blood would be poured out, on the third day, he would rise again. He told them, behold, the hour is coming, and indeed it has come, when you will be scattered. You will be scattered. Things are going to get hard. Things are going to get scary. You're going to be by yourself, alone, lost. And he says, I have said these things to you that you may have peace. Because in this world, you will have tribulation. When you are scattered, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus knows that the journey from our present location to our final destination, between where we are and where we are going, is going to be really hard. There are going to be high highs and low lows. Everything from marriage and having kids to disease and death. And it's going to get tricky. There are going to be some times when we aren't sure what to do. There are going to be times when we have to make sacrifices. And we're even going to lose people along the way. I know because I can see you. A lot of you all have lost people in this last year since the last time we gathered for All Saints Sunday. And that's why Jesus gathered his disciples at the new rally point around the table. And that's why he gathers us still. He gathers us to tell us that when things look bad, when you're lost, when you're scattered, when you're alone or confused, remember what I told you when we were gathered around this table. When you think you can't make it and that you won't survive, remember what I said when we were together at this table. When your temptations become so powerful that you think that you won't overcome, that you can't resist, remember what I said when we were together at this table. Before Jesus sends us out to serve, he feeds us and encourages us at his table. Because Jesus wants us to have the confidence to go beyond where we are right now and follow him to that place where he is leading. From our current location to our destination. Whether that destination is the completion of something in this world or whether it is with him in eternity. And when you lose someone and the grief is overwhelming and you're wondering if it's worth it to trust him and to keep trusting him, I want you to remember what he said that night at that table. He said, 
let not your hearts be troubled. In my father's house, there are many rooms. Believe in God, believe also in me. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. I'm going ahead of you to prepare a room for you in my father's house. I am going ahead of you to prepare a place for you at my father's table. The table of the kingdom of God. You see, the Lord's Supper is not just a ritual. It's a gathering of the saints. The Lord's table is the rally point of God's family. Speaking of the future, the coming of the kingdom of God, Jesus said people will come from east and west and north and south to sit at table in the kingdom of God. And this table is the place where the beloved on earth and the beloved in heaven meet Jesus together. And Paul wanted the Corinthians to remember that no matter what happens, even if we are scattered, even if we're scattered by death, Jesus is calling us to this rally point. All Saints Sunday is all about remembering the communion of the saints. That one day we will gather with one another there just as we've gathered here. The, the table is not just a reminder of what Jesus did, how he gathered his disciples to him before he died. It's a reminder that he will also gather his people around the table in the kingdom in paradise. Jesus said, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of of God. Jesus is saying, I'm gathering you now because I will also gather you in the kingdom. I am eating with you now because I will also eat with you in the kingdom. He gathers us, the church militant, so that we can look forward to meeting together with the church triumphant. He gathers us now because he also will gather us then. And so when you're stuck, when you're stuck in grief, when you don't understand how to follow Jesus because you can't see three feet in front of your own face because of the darkness, when you don't know how to follow Jesus because the world doesn't follow him either, Come to this table. When you're trying to believe in a world that says you are crazy to bet your life on him, come to this table. Because this is the rally point. And he wants us to think about where are we going? First, next, and forever. Will you pray with me?
O Lord, year after year, century after century, you call us together to this table. Not simply to remember what you did in the past, but to be reminded that you will gather your people around the Father's table in the kingdom. As we gather today as the church militant, help us to remember that as we are gathered with Christ, so too is the church triumphant. And therefore, the communion of the saints is gathered not only to draw the attention of the world, but to draw the attention of all the universe. Thank you for gathering us to this rally point, especially when we are lost in grief, confusion, or pain. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.